It's a word where you just go, God, I'm laying down every agenda. I'm laying down every thing, every weight, every burden, every concern. And I'm just coming to you like this song has said. I came here with nothing other than all that you've given me. And we're just asking for God to do a new work in us. And God, we just surrender individually. Church, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's a weight. Maybe it's a concern. Maybe it's an agenda, an expectation, whatever it is. I just think now is the place just in our heart where we just say, God, we lay it at your feet. Your will be done in me. Your will be done in my life, in my business, in my home, in my family, in my community, in my school. Your will be done in me. Not my will, Lord God, but your will be done. That is our simple yet powerful prayer this morning as we surrender our lives afresh to you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you want to do in our life and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Thank you. Thank you, team, all those that have contributed to bring us to where we are right now. Here comes my main man, Andy. Don't anyone touch that pulpit. Don't you touch it. Andy will get you if you touch that pulpit. Thanks, mate. How is everyone? Who started something new this week? Anyone? Someone learnt, a few people learnt to paint. That's good. Well done. Started new schools. Anyone start new job? Yeah? New beginnings. Very good. Well, this morning, if you don't know, we are starting a brand new season. If you walked in and you missed the red carpet, you missed the sign on the door, you missed the paint, you missed the balloons, um, you should have gone to Specsavers. Sorry, that's the first dad joke. You can count that one. Lucy, are you keeping tally for the dad jokes today? No. Okay. A new season. Today's our first day. And uh, like it's been said before by Pip, next week will be the detail, the framework, the structure, the ideas, the how, the, all that sort of stuff. Today, though, I felt really strongly that um, when Pastor Will Dumas was here with us at the end of last year, he said, you make sure that that first day of together is not an information sharing, is not a structure, it is an anointing commissioning service. So really today is about that. I'm going to be opening the Bible soon and we're going to be studying um, someone from the Bible and what can speak to us in our own lives. And then next week, we'll, um, it's not that next week's not going to be good, don't get me wrong. There's lots to share and exciting stuff going on. But today is not that day. Today we're going to look at a guy who is a bit of a nomad. He's a bit of a guy that moved around from house to house. He'd never stayed in one place for long. And as someone who has lived in multiple countries, and I've counted 18 homes that I have lived in in my 39 years of life. That's 18 homes that I can remember. I'm sure there's more from when I was little. I've moved around a bit. I can relate to this man. His name is Isaac. And we find him in the book of Genesis 26. Does anyone like moving around? Does anyone like just having one place to live and you just stay there? Who's been in their current place of residence for more than 20 years? Is there anyone? Yep, some of you like to just stay where you are, and that's okay. Who has moved more than 10 times in the last 20 years? More than 10 times. Yeah, there's a few wanderers in the room as well. Very good. Well, Isaac is a wanderer. He's a nomad. He never stays in one place for long. And let's read about him in verse 1. It says this, A severe famine struck the land, as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar, where Ablam get his name right, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. 
Live here as a foreigner in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you, your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars of the sky, and I will give all these lands, and through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, command, decrees, and instructions. Verse 6, sick, verse 6, not verse 6. So Isaac stayed in Gerah. Isaac and his family move to this place. Before I go any further, today's message has got two titles. You can choose which one you like best. First title is, Well, Well, Well. That's one option. Or the other option is, Can You Dig It? All right, you can choose which one you want. And you'll see what I mean as we look at Isaac's life in a little bit more detail. But in this place, we see that Isaac is heading towards Egypt. Now, in the Bible, Egypt often represents the wealth and the temptations and the things of the world. They often represent that it's um, the things that can take us away from the purpose or the kingdom of God. So there's this temptation in the natural where Isaac is heading towards Egypt, but God speaks to him and says, no, I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to go in a famine. The natural thing to do is go to the city of wealth, go to the big city where there's lots of provision, where there's lots going on. So in the natural, he wants to go to Egypt, but God says, no, stop, stay here. I want you to stay in this place, remain in this land as a foreigner. And to me, he says there, he goes, I will not only if you stay here, I will bless you and I will keep after, look after you just like I did your father Abraham. And to me, this little scenario, you might not see it, but it's something that we all face. Do we do what's logical? Do we do where we think the best provision is? Do we do where we think we're going to be looked after the best? Or do we listen to the voice of God? And I'm not saying don't use your brain and don't use logic. There's time to do all that. But what I'm saying is that when God interrupts your plans, when God says, hey, I know you're planning on going that way, but I actually think you should stop and stay here, do we listen? Are we people that hear and obey the voice of God? Or are we people that just go, no, that looks like the best place for me. I'll go over there. It's a choice we face over and over again. Matthew 6.33, one of my favorite scriptures though, says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. All of us face that choice. Do we build our own kingdom or do we do what God calls us to do? Isaac did what God told him to do, even though it probably went against the logical thing to do. He stayed where he was. We won't read the next few verses, but Isaac gets himself into trouble. Isaac is married to someone who is very good looking. The reason, I, and many of you can relate to this, can't you? Now's the right time for men to say, yes, I can relate to this. Good opportunity for you. His wife's good looking and he's worried and he's nervous that in this foreign land that people are going to attack him and try and take his, his wife away from him. So he tells a lie and says, he's not my wife, she's my sister. But then he sees that he's, the king sees him um, you know, giving his sister a hug and it's not a sisterly hug, it's a husband and wife hug. And he goes, you're lying to me. I'm giving you the PG version this morning because the kids are in the service. <laughs> but basically, he goes into fear. God has just told him, stay here. I will protect you. I will bless you. I will look after you. And the first thing he does is tell a lie to protect himself. He tells a lie to protect himself, and he gets himself into a lot of trouble. But anyway, the king catches on to him and goes, why did you lie to me? You should have just told me the truth. If that's your wife, that's your wife, and I'm going to look after you. And look what the king says. The king says this in verse 11. He issued a public proclamation, which is a law. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. Safe to say that the king is a supporter of Isaac and says, hey, you might be a foreigner in this land, but I'm going to look after you. 
And I think God uses a foreign king to say to Isaac, hey, you might be a foreigner in this land, but I'm going to look after you. You don't need to act out of fear. You don't need to act out of things where you think you're going to be the best. But if you stay right where I want you to be, all will be well with you. And so Isaac, I think, finally gets it. Let's see what happens next. Verse 12 to 16. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistine filled up the, oh, start again. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. And finally, Abimelech the king ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. I don't want you to miss this because Isaac begins to see the promises of God come to pass. Do you know, in a life, in a time of famine, he is prospering. In a time of drought, he is prospering. He is getting a hundredfold return on what he planted in the middle of a famine. Now, I don't know much about farming and planting, but I think that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty good deal going on right there. And I believe that God is honoring him and his decision to obey his instructions by saying, look, not only am I going to protect you, but I'm going to bless you a hundredfold over. In the middle of a famine, in the middle of a foreign place, God is blessing this man. And I love Psalm 37. It says this, day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Listen to this. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. You know, I felt strongly when I prepared this this morning that I need to declare that over some people. Some people this morning, I think you feel like you're in a famine. You feel like you're in a place where you're not meant to be. But I want God's word to you this morning is that right where you are, right where he has placed you, that is the place where he can prosper you. Not just a little bit of prospering, not just a little bit of blessing, but a hundredfold blessing over your life as you stay in the place where God has called you to be. The place of obedience, the place of being submitted to God's will is the place where he can bless you. Not just a little bit, but it says here a hundredfold blessing. I believe that God is honoring Isaac in his obedience. And as we trust God and we pursue the plans he has for us, I believe that that scripture can be our scripture. That even though there might be famine, we will have more than enough. Not just a little bit, more than enough. Who wants more than enough? Because when you have more than enough, you can share with others. When you have more than enough, you can bless others. It's not just about survival, but it's about going, who can I bless today? And Isaac had a more than enough anointing over his life, and it came out of obedience to God. But here's the thing. Everyone, not everyone's happy about Isaac, because everyone knows that haters are going to hate. And it says that the locals got jealous of him, and they start to sabotage the wells he uses. Eventually, it says the king asked him to leave the city. It actually orders him to leave. The same king who said, if you touch this man, I will kill you, now says, actually, mate, you're getting a bit too successful. You're having a few too many wins. It's time for you to leave. And he's voted off the island and he's evicted from the first reality TV show ever known to man. The same king who promised him has now turned on him. He is evicted. But guess, I love this. He's let down by a man. He's, a man gives him a promise and then a man lets him down. And I love what Ray Andrews says. He says this. He says, people can't let you down if they're not holding you up in the first place. And my question to you this morning is, who's holding you up? What's your foundation? 
as we enter a new season, is your foundation Jesus and the Word of God or is your foundation the surrounds, the external? What is holding you up this morning? Isaac moves on from this place. He's let down by a human being, but he moves on because he's not being held up by that human being. People let us down, but if they're not holding you up in the first place, who cares? What does Isaac do? He goes, he moves on. Verse 17, he moves away to the Gerah Valley where he set up their tents and they settled down. Listen to verse 18. He reopened the wells his father had dug. When the Philistines had filled in after, the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. So Isaac restored the names that Abraham had given them. He moves on. He sets up a new home in the valley. He's moved out of the city into the valley and he reopens or he redigs the wells of his father. And he also restores the names that Abraham had given them. Once he left the city, he needed water. He had all this livestock, all these animals. He had all the, do you know that when you've got blessing, it actually comes with quite a bit of a burden. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He's got, there's a tremendous blessing, but guess what? The burden is they all are thirsty and he needs to find water for them and he's been kicked out of the city. So he goes into the valley and he redigs the wells of his fathers. The Philistines did not need the wells, but he did. So he went and he redigged them. He knew he would find water there because he knew that his dad had found water there. And the thing I love about this is that water, we need water to survive. But I'm not just talking physically. Just like Egypt represents things of the world, do you know what water represents in the Bible? Water represents life. Water represents the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Water represents the fresh newness that all of us need. It's the source that all of us need, not just physically to survive, but spiritually to survive. And Isaac knew that even though he'd been kicked out of the city, that even in the valley, even in the desert, he could find the source of life. And I love that he, he redigs those wells. I love that there's something great about the heritage of redigging a well that someone has dug before you. It talks to me about people that have gone before you. You know, I, I think of my mum and dad who both made decisions in their younger lives to become Christians and to follow Jesus. And I know that I am reaping some of the reward or the benefit of their decisions. I know that my children are reaping reward and benefit from some of the wells that they dug many years ago. I'm getting the benefit from them today. And whether you're on a Christian home or a Christian heritage or not, all of us in the faith have got people that have gone before us. Hebrews 12.1 says this, Do you see what these mean, this means? All these prisoners who blazed the way, they were veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. Because there's people that have gone before you that are cheering you on today. You know, when it comes to this church, this church has a heritage. This church has people who have gone before us. Some of those people are still in this room today. They dug the wells that we are benefiting from today. This building is a tremendous example of that. But it's not just about the building. Do you know any time you see something significant, you know that sacrifices have been made. You know that someone somewhere has paid a cost. And I love what Brian Houston says. He says this, church, Great churches aren't built on the gifts and talents of a few but on the sacrifice of many. And I think this church is a testament to that. You know, today I thank God and I honour the wells that have been dug in this place that we are benefiting from today. I thank God for the people that were on the 1st of August 2004 planted Macquarie CLC Maitland in East Maitland. I thank God for the people that were around when it became Real Life Church in October 2006. 
I thank God for the people that were here when you moved into this building in March 2007 and the many sleepless nights leading up to it. I thank God for those involved in the Cessnock campus from February 2009 to December 2014, the lives that were impacted and changed through that season in Cessnock. I thank God for those that were here on the 11th of December 2016 when I became the senior pastor. And I thank God for those that are here today as we begin a new season. Because when you, yeah, you can clap those people. People that sacrificed, people that dug wells, people that broke ground that you and I are standing on today, able to be in this place because of the sacrifice that they made. And I know that in this church, you know, this morning, Grant sent me a message. Last night, Meg sent me a message cheering us on saying, go for it, guys. The heritage that we have is not one that we want to forget. And in this church and in the Christian faith, there are people that have gone before you. And I believe there's stuff we can learn from them. I believe that if they knew how to get water, then we too can learn how to be well diggers and get water ourselves. Matthew Henry says this, In our searches after truth, that fountain of living water, it is good to make use of the discoveries of former ages, which have been clouded by the corruptions of latter times. Inquire for the old way, the wells which our fathers digged, which the adversaries of truth have stopped up, and ask thy elders, and they shall teach thee. This tells me that there is, we don't need to throw everything out. We say it's a new day, and it is. But we don't need to throw out everything that's gone before. We can go, what can we learn? What can we build on? What do we value and her our heritage? And go, let's go from this place forward and learn from them. I Isaac understands the value of honoring and learning from his heritage. I love how he restores the names of the wells to what his father had named them. But then Matthew Henry says this, Though we must use the light of former ages, it does not therefore follow that we must rest in it and make no more advances. We must still be building upon their foundation, running to and fro, that knowledge may be increased. And we see that this is exactly what Isaac does. First, he redigs the wells of his father, but look what he does next. His servants dug in the Gera Valley and discovered a well of fresh water, a new well. But then the shepherds from Gera came and claimed it. And they said, this is our water. And they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Essek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another new well, but again there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. In my household, something can sit idle for a long time. A toy, a piece of clothing, I don't know, anything. No real value to it. It can sit and gather dust for weeks on end. But all it takes is for one person to pick it up, start using it, start enjoying it, and the owner will come along and say, hey, that's mine and I want it back. And then you'll hear something like, but you weren't using it. And they say, I don't care. It's mine. It belongs to me and I want it back. I'm talking about me and Lodz, not the kids. And that's what we see going on here. See, there was no wells, but there was water. 
There was water underneath the ground and all it took was for Isaac and his men to come along and dig up the well, dig up the water and they discovered it. And as soon as they did, the rightful owners of the land came along and said, hey, 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 that's mine and you can't have it. And there was a dispute. And both times I love what Isaac does. He walks away and he digs another well. Let's read the next verse. Verse 22, abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and he dug another well. This time there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rehoboth, which means open space. For he said, at last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. See, here's the thing. Isaac knows how to discover water. He knows how to find water where others cannot. He knows what it is to prosper in the middle of a famine. So he doesn't bother fighting with people for what he could easily claim as his, he simply moves on. And I think some of us are still having a dummy spit over something unfair that happened when God's saying, hey, it's time to move on because there's fresh new water. Move away from the well of hostility and the well of dispute and move on to the fresh well that I want you to dig. Even though it might you have a claim for it, walk away because I believe there's something new for you. Isaac is evicted for being too successful. And he goes and goes, digs and discovers water. And twice people come along and say, hey, that's mine. But what does he do? He simply moves on. You know what Isaac does? He lets the people that didn't do any of the hard work receive the blessing of that well. He goes, you know what? You've come and you've taken what I could say is mine, but I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to actually let you be blessed by my hard work. And I'm going to go discover some of my own new water and wine for myself, there wasn't wine there. I said wine because we were singing wine, but that would be really cool if you could dig a well that found wine. <laughs> Matthew 5:43 says this, You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Let them have the water that you just dug up and walk away. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are only kind to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. I love Isaac that he seems so secure. So secure in the knowledge. So secure in the fact that God is with him. So secure that, hey, I found water before, I'll find water again. And I'm happy to bless you. Even though you've done wrong to me, I'm going to bless you with that well. In fact, it's yours. I'll name it after you. Hostility. There you go. Have it. And he walks away and he moves on. He knows he's going to be okay because he knows the source. He knows everything will be all right because he has the belief that he can get water elsewhere. And he moves on and he digs another well. He did as Dale Carrigan did in the castle the great true Australian, he dug another hole. <laughs> this man we can learn from today. That ability to just go, you know what? I'm moving on. I'm just going to dig another hole. I'm just going to tap down deep into the source of life that I know how to discover. And no matter what's been taken away from me, no matter what I've lost, I'm going to move on to the new because I believe there's always new and fresh water for us to access. I wonder what disputes some of us need to walk away from this morning and trust that God has something better. I love the name of this new well. Let's see if you can say it with me. The new well is called Rehoboth. 
Everyone say Rehoboth. Now say it without spitting. Rehoboth. I can't do it without spitting. I'll tell you that much. Rehoboth means this. Rehoboth means open or broad spaces. And Isaac makes this amazing statement. He says this, At last the Lord has created enough space for us to prosper in this land. And church, this word here is the word that I sense God was speaking to us as a church. Last year the word was unshakable. The word before, year before was two words. It was second wind. And the word that I felt for this year, we're not going to say Rehoboth because people are going to go, what? We're going to say the words for this year that I believe God is saying is simply this, open spaces. Open spaces in your life, open spaces in the church, open spaces in your community, open and new spaces where there is more than enough room for you to prosper, more than enough room for you to be like Isaac, reaping a hundredfold where others are getting nothing because you know the source of life. You know what it is to be a well digger and you can dig it for yourself. You don't need to go to anywhere else to find your life, to find your source, because you've got your own personal access to this source of life. And when you've got that, life becomes an open space. Your world opens up when you know how to access life for yourself. When you're not reliant on me, when you're not reliant on the church, when you're not reliant on TV or podcasts, but you're just reliant on you, your God, His Word. And you know what? I know how to get my daily bread, my new thing that God wants to do today, you can receive that for yourself. That word open spaces tells me that church is not just about what we're happening right now, but that church needs to be opened up to new spaces and new places, new people that don't know the love of our God. Open up your thinking, open up your view this morning to say there are open spaces for my life. This year, 2019, we can claim and step into and say, open spaces for me, open spaces for my church, open spaces for my community, open spaces for my business, for my family, for my school, open spaces where you can prosper no matter what the external circumstances are. Who likes that word, Rehoboth? I think we need to step into it and claim it as our own for 2019. This word and this well, they represent open spaces and prospering in the middle of the desert. But this well and this name of it, it also represents what heaven will be like. It says there's open space. There's room to prosper. There's no more bickering. There's no more fighting. And John 14, 2, Jesus said these words. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? There is more than enough room. That tells me, it tells me that there is room for every single person that wants to be in that place. There is no, sorry, we're full. Sorry, we're at capacity. But there is room for everyone. There is open spaces. And it tells me that heaven is a place that because of Jesus, we can have and spend eternity in that open place. But I also know that open places are not just for heaven. They're for here and for now. You know, when we talk about heaven being an open space and Jesus wanting all to be in that space, we see that one day Jesus is at a well. We're continuing the well thing. Just a side note, we're going to go to John 4 where Jesus is sitting at a well. This well was dug by Jacob. Jacob is one of Isaac's sons. 
his sons learned what it was to dig water and dig wells for themselves. One of the greatest things that Isaac did for me is he taught his kids how to dig wells as well. Not only did he honor the heritage of those that are gone before him, but he also taught the next generation, this is how you survive. This is how you gain access to the source of life. And he taught the next generation. And many years later, Jesus is sitting at a well that one of Isaac's descendants had dug. And he's there and he's thirsty. And he asked a woman for a drink. This woman was shocked because it wasn't the done thing for a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan woman. And you might know the story. He's talking to, and let's read some of the conversation this morning as we head towards a finish line somewhere in the next two hours. No, just kidding. The woman was surprised for Jews to refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and, you are speak and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. See, this lady's talking about the water that you drink, H2O, the water that we all need for life. But Jesus is talking about something different. He's talking about the gift of living water that gives eternal life, that gives life and life to the full. Jesus goes on to explain to her that what he is offering her is going to make a huge difference, not only in her life today, but for all eternity. She makes a decision that day to follow Jesus, to give her life to him. She accepts what he is giving her that day. And Jesus offers you and I the same thing. John 3, 16, 17 says this, For God so loved the world, i.e. you. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone, yes, including you, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world. He sent his son to you, not to judge you, but to save you. That's what Jesus did for you and I. And this morning, I'm going to pause for a minute. And I'm going to say that if you're here and you haven't received the gift of eternal life, if you haven't received this living water that Jesus was talking about here in this moment, then why not today? Why not today be the day where you go, you know what? I want to give my life to following Jesus. I want to know what it is to know life and life to the full. I want to have what God has come to give me. All that he is offering, I want that for my life. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask us to pause for a minute and to close our eyes. And kids, just you're doing really well. I just need to be quiet for like two seconds plus 50 seconds plus another 100 seconds. And if you're here in this place and you would like to give your life to following Jesus, then I would love you to raise your hand. It's you saying, you know what? I want this life. I want to know what it is to have access to the life giver, have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then in this moment, in this place, it would be a great time to say, you know what? That's me. I want to know who Jesus is and the difference He can make in my life. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to decide to join a church. You are simply saying, I want Jesus in my life. I want to know His love. I want to know His truth. 
I want to know the gift that He has come to give. And if that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now because we would love to pray with you. I'm going to move on in a second, but I'm always just want to give you this moment to say, I want to give my life to following Jesus Christ. Maybe for the first time, or maybe as a way of recommitting your life to following Him. If that's you, raise your hand now. One of our team will see you. They'll come and speak to you after the service, pray with you, talk with you. But I want us to go back to Isaac. The rest of the creative team can come. We go back to Isaac. He found that well where there was open space. In the next few verses though, we read that Isaac goes to another place. Told you that he was a nomad. And again, God reaffirms the promises to bless him. Not only to bless him, but to bless the future generations. And Isaac responds by building an altar, a place where he praises God. If you read the rest of Isaac's story, you'll read that he lived a long and fruitful life on the earth. God indeed did bless him. God did indeed prosper him. But guess what? Isaac's journey is finished a long time ago. And I believe he's calling you and I to be like Isaac. Well diggers. People that dig wells to find the source of life, not just for our benefit, but for those around us. Even those that treat us wrong. Even those that mistreat us and treat us unfairly, that we would dig wells for them. We would show people that we know how to discover the fresh living water that Jesus came to give because we know Jesus Christ. Not that we're better than anyone. We simply have received grace and we want others to receive that same grace as well. I believe God has called you and He's called me into an open space. An open space. An open space is wherever you go that you can dig a well that finds life and gives life to others. I believe that as we obey Him, as we resist the temptation to go to Egypt in our own life and say, you know what, God, not my will, but your will be done. As we honour our heritage and we learn from those who have gone before us, as we love like Jesus loved, and you know what, we're going to have people that don't like us, but we're just going to bless them anyway. And most importantly, we just keep digging wells to find fresh water, fresh inspiration, fresh provision, fresh life. We too can find the open spaces I believe God is calling us to be in. Church, there are wells from our past that we celebrate today. We learn from, we thank God for them. But we have a determination in our spirit today that we will dig new wells. We will dig new wells. We will use the old and we will build on them and we will dig new wells to find the open spaces that God has called us to be in. Next Sunday, I'm going to share about you know, all the different things like has been talked about, how we can give towards the new wells God is calling us to dig, the new areas in our community, the new places He wants us to be in, the partnerships, the community centre, all the different stuff. I know that there's always going to be more wells to dig in the Kingdom of God. There's always going to be more ground to break. There's always going to be more because there's always people who are going to need water. Today though, is a commissioning. The thing I kept getting when I prayed for today was that word, open spaces. But also this, 
that the way we access those open spaces is that we become well diggers. Today, I want to commission us to be a well digger. And that's why it was called, Can You Dig It? Because really, I believe that's what we're called to do, to be people that dig wells in our community. Wherever we are, we dig wells, we find life, we find water, we bring out the freshness that is already there, and we point people towards Jesus. This morning, we're going to anoint people with oil. Now, oil, we've got a few different types. There's lavender, there's pomegranate, there's castrol. If you get a big black smear across your forehead. Some of you might think, what are you talking about, Lottie? Oil in the Bible is something else that represents Holy Spirit and the touch of God. And today we acknowledge that we can't do anything without the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. So when we anoint you with oil, it's putting a little bit of oil just there on your forehead. And you might think, that's a bit weird. I don't want to do that. It's fine. But the oil is just a representation that today you are empowered by the Holy Spirit You're marked by the Holy Spirit to be someone who's a well digger, to be someone who steps into the open spaces that God has for you and your life. And the way we're going to do this is going to require some participation. It's going to require a little bit of togetherness because I am not walking through this crowd and anointing every one of you. You can forget that. We're going to anoint each other because I'm not the only well digger. You're all well diggers. And we're going to anoint each other as a community of faith saying, today we anoint you as a well digger to step into the open spaces that God has for your life. So what we're going to ask you to do, it's going to require some effort. You ready? We want you to get into groups of about 10 to 12. If there's nine, who cares? If there's 13, who cares? Just roughly 10 to 12 people, start forming them right where you are. Look around you and go, all right, I'm going to form my little group right here. If you don't want to participate, that's fine. In these groups though, as you begin to form them, start forming them. That means get up out of your seat, go find a group. I'm going to come up on stage. I found my group nice and close. Go find a group. Kids as well. Kids, you're in this as well. It's not just for the adults. Anyone out in the foyer, come back on in. And what we're going to do, our team are going to start to distribute little bottles of oil. Little bottles of oil. If the group's too big, split it in half. There's heaps of oil. I want to make sure that every group has a bottle of oil and is ready to go. You hold that for a second. When you've all got your oil, this doesn't need to be weird. This doesn't need to be anything other than simply acknowledging we need you, Holy Spirit. All right, when your group is ready, just give me a, like, put your hand in the air so I can see it. When you're ready to go, you've got your oil, you've got your group, you're ready to go. All right. When you're ready, as you want, maybe just want to each anoint the person next to you. It's about anointing each other 
for the new season ahead. So you can begin to do that in your groups right now. Adults and kids, it's just simply putting a little bit of oil on your forehead and saying, I anoint you for the new season ahead. I anoint you to be a well digger and to step into the open spaces God has for you.